Hello and welcome to Harlan First and Monroe Chapel United Methodist Church's Sermon Podcast. I'm Pastor Mike Agnew and it's great to have you with us. The last several weeks we've been looking at the Lord's Prayer. Perhaps one of the most important prayers in the Bible because it's the one prayer that we have been given by Jesus as an example of how to pray. So, you know, if you ever struggle with how to pray or you want to learn how, you should really pay attention to this prayer because Jesus tells you how. And we also learned in our sermon series that you don't have to make up your own prayers all the time. You're not somehow more spiritually mature than others if you can make up your own prayers. It's fine if you can, but written prayers are given for a reason, and we have many in our tradition. They can help direct our thoughts towards godly purposes when we don't always know what we should pray for. And after all, this prayer is written by Jesus, so certainly there can't be anything wrong with written prayers if Jesus wrote one for us to use. So today we're coming to the close of our look at the Lord's Prayer with this last phrase which says, For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. It's kind of like a benediction, wrapping everything up with a declaration of God's greatness. So this part of the prayer is not really asking anything, It's just declaring. But lest you be tempted to assume that this is a throwaway part of the prayer, it's very important to give God thanks by worshiping Him. And we worship God in our prayers by expressing or exclaiming His greatness. It doesn't have to be a long, drawn-out thing. Just a sentence will work. So what are we affirming here? Well, in this one, we are affirming that everything belongs to God. And by everything, I mean everything. All that we have, including what we've earned, the talents that we have, our money, the environment, the planet, our very life breath, and every human being belongs to God. That should make us be humble whenever we're tempted to declare that something belongs to us or that we own a certain piece of property. Everything belongs to God, which means everything that we have is on loan to us. We are borrowing what we have. It's kind of like a giant cosmic library, and we get to check things out for a while, but eventually the due date comes for us to return everything. But for right now, everything is on loan, and so we are stewards of what we have. That fact should influence how we treat what we have, using it for God's purposes. You know, how will you use your money, your possessions, your land, your talents, your time, and your very life, how you use these things should be influenced by this idea that we were stewards of all that we have because it all belongs to God. When we lose sight of that, we can become too prideful, too tight-fisted, too self-centered. And so this helps keep this in perspective and can be a good check on those types of things. It's always good to remind ourselves it's not Your kingdom is not my kingdom. It's not our power. It's not our glory. It's God's, and it was his all along. This has been quite an election, hasn't it? You know, the last couple of years have been very difficult to watch. I think the election started in earnest about two years ago. On top of all that, we're used to it being over the day after election day, but this one was different, of course. Granted, The drawn-out counting process was fully predicted by those in the know. You know, we have different circumstances today with many more people voting and many of those votes being by mail. So this was hardly a surprise that it would take several days. 
And the counting is still going on now, so I suppose it's not completely over. But it's hard. I, th I think that we're all just weary, and so it was hard to see it drug out, even though we knew it would happen. I think we were all ready for it to be over. And I know that there are all kinds of strong feelings and emotions on both sides of the political spectrum, because most feel very strongly about their particular candidate. You know, there's a lot of emotion wrapped up in this election. But here's the thing. No matter who won the election, it's not Biden's kingdom. It's not Trump's kingdom. It's not even America's kingdom because this world is so much more than just America. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It doesn't matter who won the election. The kingdom is God's. And when I talk about the kingdom, of course, I'm not referring to one particular nation. It's not as though God's will can only be done if a particular candidate wins in one particular nation in the world. It's not as though God's will can only be done through one particular nation either. God doesn't work that way. God doesn't only choose one nation to work in. Even in the Old Testament, when working with Israel, God worked with other nations too. It just seems like he worked only with Israel because they wrote the book, right? It's their history, so of course it centers on them. But God had a plan for other nations as well. God was never the God of Israel only. Yes, they had a special relationship with him because they knew him, but he was not their God only. They didn't own him. God worked amongst the other nations as well to do his will. And yet God's will has never been dependent upon what the nations do or don't do. And it certainly isn't dependent upon whether a Democrat or a Republican is the leader of America, one of the many nations of the world. The kingdom of the world is God's. The power is God's. The glory is God's. And so that means that not any one person or political party or nation can claim those things. Only God. That's why whenever you hear claims to the effect that a particular candidate, party, or nation exclusively is God's candidate or party or nation, you need to take that with a huge grain of salt. Now, that being said, although everything is God's and his will is not dependent upon the plans of the nations, he does choose to partner with his creation in the execution of his will. But it's not by partnering with a particular nation or party. He partners with us, his church. Jesus started the church in his lifetime with those who followed him in his lifetime. And he commanded them to share the good news and to make disciples or students of him. And so Jesus' primary concern was not how much they would know about him, which we call theology, but whether or not they would live their lives like he lived his life. We remember the mantra of James who said that Faith without works is dead. So what we believe is important, but what you do is even more important because that's where what you believe gets fleshed out in daily life. So believing certain things about God and convincing others to believe certain things about God does not and will not change the world. I hate to break it to you. Living like Jesus, on the other hand, and treating others as Jesus would and teaching others how to live like Jesus that will make the a biggest change in the world. But that means we have to live our lives the way Jesus would and teach others to do the same. Just think if all Christians would do those two things. Live like Jesus 
Teach others to live like Jesus, either through your words or by the power of your example. What if we didn't place our sole hope on making sure that we and others believe the right things? You know, I'm pretty certain that when you die, you're not going to be faced with a systematic theology exam before figuring out what happens next to you. I mean, if that were true, then you would just not have to worry about living like Jesus. Instead, you could just study theology really hard, make sure you believe all the right things, and then if you believe all the right things, you don't have to worry about how you live your life. You can just live your life however you want, and you can still call yourself a Christian because you believe the right things. Unfortunately, this is what many people think Christianity is all about, believing the right things. And so, too often we focus all of our time on what we believe and on what other people believe, and we spend way too much time trying to get other people to believe the same things that we believe. But when we try to do that, that's what it means to be the th belief police. We think we have to make sure everybody believes the right things. So we spend all of our time on theology, and we don't spend enough time thinking about whether or not we're actually living like Jesus. Theology is important, but it's not the most important thing. In Matthew 25, in Jesus' parable of the sheep and the goats, where he separates people, and the sheep are the ones that go into the kingdom of God, and the goats do not go into the kingdom of God, guess what? There's no mention of theology. You know, it's not based on what they believe, it's on how they live their lives. Did they live like Jesus, caring for the needs of others, or did they live for themselves? So theology is important, but it's not the most important thing. Same thing with politics. What if we didn't place our sole hope on making sure our favorite candidates get in power or that the government does what we think it should do? Now, there's nothing wrong with being involved in our political system, and I'm not saying we shouldn't engage in it. We certainly should. No, I am talking about placing all of our hope in politics as though God's will can only be done if certain people are in office and the government does certain things. God has never been dependent upon a government to do his will, thankfully. Because if he was, his will would rarely, if ever, get done. Just read the Bible or read any part of human history and you'll see that governments rarely carry out God's plan. And whenever the church had aligned itself with the power of the government, the church rarely carried out God's plan either. And even though some may wish to try it again, history has been crystal clear that the experiment of combining church and state has been a dismal failure. The church at its is at its best when it doesn't try to use power or force to exert its will. Because power and force are not methods that Jesus employed in his lifetime. So is there a place for theology? Is there a place for politics? Certainly. They're both important, and we should be involved in both. But they are not the most important thing. And so we shouldn't place all of our hope in them. The most important thing, the most important agent of change in this world is living like Jesus and teaching others to live like Jesus. You know, things like forgiving others, loving enemies, renouncing vengeance and violence, caring for the poor, feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, visiting the sick, and providing them with what they need to be healthy, welcoming the outcasts, defending the defenseless, remaining humble, thinking of others as better than ourselves, and on and on we go. 
When we live like Jesus, then they will know we are Christians by our love rather than by our theology or our politics. Because guess what? Convincing others to follow Christ by talking to them about theology or politics isn't working. The greatest witness, the most effective strategy for making disciples in the Bible and in history has not been teaching theology or preaching politics. It's been the experience of feeling loved by those in the church who treat others the way Jesus taught them. It's the example of Jesus lived out in relationship to others. That's the best witness. So feel free to continue to study theology by all means. I know I will. I'm going to continue to have Bible studies that teach about what we believe. I'm going to preach and teach about what we believe about the Bible and how we should view God. And I will continue to preach on those things. Theology is important because it influences what we do with our lives and how we treat others. Right? There's a direct line between what we believe and how we live our lives. So if we want to live our lives according to Jesus, we need to understand what he did and how he lived his life and what he believed. But theology, or what we believe, is only good if it actually has a direct line to the way we live our life. If it doesn't affect the way we live our life, if we have no intention of living like Jesus, theology is not going to do us any good. Right? Only when it results in a changed life. You know, in the New Testament, it talks about those who hear the words of God but don't put them into practice being like a house built on sand. And those who do hear the word of God and put them into practice are like a house that's built on solid rock. Theology is important, as I said, but it isn't the be-all, end-all of what matters, and it makes no difference if it doesn't lead us to live like Jesus. But theology has its place. So we continue to engage in it in its proper perspective. And by all means, feel free to continue your involvement in politics. It's important work because what our government does and who is in the government has direct implications for how its residents will be able to live their lives. Who will be granted or denied certain rights? Our relationship with other nations, the economy, which directly affects those who are poor the most the state of health care, and on and on we go. But politics, like theology, is not the be-all, end-all of what matters, so don't place all your eggs in that basket either. Be involved in theology or politics or whatever good causes you want to be involved in, but place your ultimate hope for the world in God, because it is His after all. And no matter what's going on in the world, no matter what the nations of the world may be doing, the kingdom, the power, and the glory belong to God alone. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. God bless and have a great week.